I've found that when you appreciate someone else or thank them, not only does it make them feel better, but it increases their value because all of a sudden they say, oh, wow, I, I must have some good qualities. So when you can compliment somebody, you appreciate their value and they appreciate what you say. Hey, welcome to another episode of Relate, Refresh, and Restore, a podcast committed to bringing stories of hope and insight to those on the front lines of Christian ministry. Our desire is for all of us to see, sense, and experience God's voice through their stories. And through these stories, we may see His hand and hear His voice in our lives. The Relate, Refresh, and Restore podcast is brought to you by Romans 12 Ministries, where we are wildly committed to transforming the church, one pastor, missionary, and ministry leader at a time. Is there someone in your life that when you interact with them, they ooze a zest for life? You know, a passion that you desperately want back that has been somehow missing or lost in the ups and downs of of life? Well, my guest today is that person for me. Mr. Bob Schaff is truly a remarkable human being who models what he preaches. Bob founded a firm called Customers for Life Consulting in 1992. Uh, It is a marketing consulting firm dedicated to helping clients improve their customer and employee satisfaction, retention, and loyalty. Bob spent 26 years at IBM, received numerous awards, including top salesperson. Bob and his wife, Linda, have three grown sons, and they live in Tucson, Arizona. I think this podcast you'll enjoy as he reminds us the power of blessing other people through, well, his simple formula. My name is David Town, your host of the Relate, Refresh, and Restore podcast. Bob Schaff, it is great to have you in the studio. Hi, David. My friend. And you know, I remember a number of years ago, I was a in the audience of a talk that you gave. And it is one of those talks that I remember to this day. And that's one of the main reasons why I wanted you to come in today to share with our audience and show our listeners about this idea of remarkability. Terrific. So talk, how did that start? It started, uh, let me give you a little background on myself. I, uh, I was born in Phoenix. I went to school at the University of Arizona and enrolled in the Electrical Engineering College because my dad said that would be a good thing for me to do. And so I went through four years worth of electrical engineering training, and I decided that I didn't want to do that. I got a summer job one, one summer for Collins Radio in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and uh, after three months of doing electrical engineering stuff, I decided that I, that wasn't what I wanted to do. So I changed my direction, graduated with a degree in electrical engineering, and then was blessed, so blessed, by getting hired by IBM who in 1961 was the premier company in the world. And I had a 26-year career, uh, six cities that I lived in with IBM. And it was like getting a master's degree in almost everything, in business, in management, in how to to, uh, speak, how how to run a business. And it was a terrific, terrific career. And I succeeded extraordinarily well but I succeeded because I outworked the next person. I learned a lot of skills at IBM, but I, I succeeded because I outworked the, the next person. So at the end of my time with IBM, after 26 years, after I decided I wanted to leave IBM because they had, not, had become, not become the, 
didn't stay as the company that they uh, started out to be. I left IBM, and as my exit interview, I asked my boss, uh, I told him I enjoyed working for IBM, but is, if you have any advice for me, he says, I sure do, Bob. There's one thing you could do better. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, let me just demonstrate it for you. You come into work every morning at 7 o'clock before anybody gets here, and uh, you make a list of 17 things that you want to accomplish that day. And at 9 o'clock, when everybody's in the office, you're on number 9. And you will go walk out of your corner office, across the hall, over to the accounts receivable desk and ask Penny, Penny, can you handle this accounts receivable problem? And she says, yes, and you walk right back to your office. I said, yeah, that's kind of what I do. It sounds like an engineer to me. I was. Yeah. Still, I hadn't mm -hmm. shed that mantle of being an engineer because I was more concerned about efficiency. Tasks. And, mm -hmm. and so my boss said, well, that is the problem because you know what you didn't do? You didn't stop to with Pete and ask him how his son did in the swim meet. You didn't stop with Sally and ask how your daughter was doing in the dance recital. You never did those things, and you never built – a relationship with the people that work for you. You just outworked everybody, and you did very well. I'm very proud of what you did, but you could have been so much more effective if you had stopped and taken time that wasn't very efficient, but it sure was effective. And I said, I left IBM, and I said, that's a lesson that I need to implement. So I started a consulting business, and in the first couple of years, I developed this idea of how do you get out of that mode of working on your to-do list. And it, you do it by being remarkable. And the way I've decided to be remarkable is if you go out of your way to make it easy for others in your life, whether they be your spouse or your son or your employee or your manager or your congregation members or your pastor, go out of your way to make it easy to connect with them, dialogue with them, to talk with them in, in ways they value and sometimes don't expect. And I devoted the rest of my career in helping other companies realize how significantly impactful that can be. And I've tried to, I'm still not perfect. I've been out of IBM for 30 years now, and I still have challenges doing that. But I try, I try every day to go out of my way for other people, to make it easy for other people to talk to me to initiate conversations, to enter into dialogues, ask questions, find out more about them, make them feel special. And that has made a huge difference in my life. Okay, I can hear in, uh, somebody in the audience saying, you know, Bob, that sounds really good, but I'm an introvert, and I'm just not comfortable doing those things. I was an electrical engineer, and I didn't know how to give a speech. I didn't know how to speak in public. I had a lot of practice at IBM, but... At the end of my 26-year career, I'd still walk by everybody in my office to get my job done, and I didn't care about get, helping them get their job done. It was practice. It was not easy, but I found it to be very effective. Hmm. And the more I do it, the more I enjoy it. My wife still complains about me talking to people in an elevator. I'll get in an elevator, and I'll strike up a conversation with a guy or gal next to me, or I'll see somebody walking uh, towards me on a walk, and I'll say good morning, and I'll ask, I'll, I'll say, hey, where'd you get those shoes? Or isn't this a great weather? Isn't the falls finally here? And you start a conversation, and it's amazing how, in a short period of time, if you try, you can find something in common with that other person. And if you find something in common, the conversation starts to flow. 
Now, don't please don't tell me you're one of these guys on the plane that's talking to the person next to him. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. I just I just got back from where I don't know, I think it was Denver. These two people behind me, they were just talking and talking and talking. I thought, oh no, but they they seem to be having more fun than me. It doesn't have to go on for a long time. Um, I can't I can't answer your question about obnoxious seat mates mates in an airplane, but I can say that uh, I had a. I, uh, stint with Canyon Ranch where I led walks for guests in the mornings and there's 20 of them and one of me and we're going on a four mile hike or four mile walk and I typically mention that I worked for IBM and some people would say oh really uh, where did you work and I said Princeton New Jersey for one place and they said so I used to live there and I the conversation went on from there and it turns out they lived on the same street I did in different years I wasn't there when they were there, but they asked about, do you still go to the Ace Hardware store? Do you still go to that church? Do you still go to that grocery store? And this conversation goes, and I become friends with them. Wow. Wow. You know, with all the social media and uh, the AirPods and all those different things, do you feel like the culture has moved away from this idea of remarkability with people? Absolutely. You can still... connect with people using social media and texts and emails, and that is a way to do it. But face-to-face, eye contact, I mean, we don't know how to do eye contact anymore. We've lost that capability. We can't, we can't write in cursive anymore, and therefore can't write handwritten notes to people. There's lots of ways to connect. By f- a phone call is a lot better than an email, and a handwritten note is a lot better than a phone call. Mm. It's it's going out of your way to make it easy for people to connect with you. Sometimes the easiest way is a phone call. Sometimes the easiest way is a handwritten note. But face to face is the best because you can use you can learn body language and how to read body language. Mm. And it, it, the, all this recent trend towards social media and electronics has hindered people's ability to make contact eyeball to eyeball. We don't shake hands anymore. COVID killed that and eye contact. So no handshakes, no eye contact, no body language. Come on. That's what we need to get back to. And the Mm. people that can do that, I think, are going to be more successful. Well, it's my time to interrupt the podcast. And I thank you so much for listening. I thank Bob Schaff for coming in and, and again, reminding us how to treat people. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you for listening and also being a partner with us. These podcasts are are really possible because of your generous donations. And so we are passionate and we are in the trenches with pastors and ministry leaders and missionaries and their families to refresh and restore them. And so you're a big part of that. So thanks for listening. I just want you, if you can, uh, to go to our website, which is Romans12Ministries.org. That's Romans1212Ministries.org. And just check us out. And uh, there is a donate button there that you can do online. Give us a call. Let us know how we can pray for you. But uh, we are so grateful for this community that we have at Romans 12 Ministries. So let's get back to Mr. Bob Schaff. A personal question for you. So this was kind of a learned 
These are learned habits. Learned. This was not natural for you growing up. Not you weren't all. an extrovert, engineer mind, task-oriented, did great in school, mm -hmm. straight A's. Mm -hmm. And then you met a woman. Yeah, I was uh, coming out of high school. Uh, I was... I was pretty miserable in high school. I was very much of an introvert. I didn't participate in any extracurricular activities. I never went to a football game, never had a date. Um, I was not very happy. And uh, when I f went to the University of Arizona, uh, one of the first years, the first year, freshman year, I met this girl named Linda Nelson at a, a fraternity-sponsored dance, and she came up to me and asked me to dance. And I said yes, and... I, I, three weeks later, asked her out on a date, and then things got better and better and better between us. And all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, somebody, male or female, made me feel special. And when that happened, the relationship got better and better and better because I wanted to go out of my way for her to make her feel special, and it just blossomed from there. We dated for six years before I got, we got married. Um, I was... Not going to get married until I got a degree and got a job. So she stuck with me, and uh, that was 55 years ago. And we still try each other to help each other, make each other feel special. And that's the secret to a great marriage. It's the secret to a good relationship is making people feel special. Mm. You know, a thought I had just recently is you've heard about depreciation of a car. You buy a car, you drive it off the lot, and it declines in value. Well, the opposite of depreciation is appreciation. And I've found that when you appreciate someone else or thank them, not only does it make them feel better, but it increases their value because all of a sudden they say, oh, wow, I, I must have some good qualities. So when you can compliment somebody, you appreciate their value and they appreciate what you say. Mm. What a terrific way. And that's part of the five-step process. Go out of your way to make people to go out of your way to make it easy for people to connect with you in ways they value so they can be appreciated, appreciated, and sometimes don't expect. That's the surprise mm. aspect of it. The novelty of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what are some practical ways that we can connect with people? As you know, Romans 12, we come alongside pastors, missionaries, ministry leaders, and their families. Uh, to refresh and restore them. So many of them are lonely, they're burnt out. And so when it comes to connecting with people, and that's think the body of Christ does that, what are some specific ways we can go about doing that? Make people in your congregation believe that you care about them. And the way you demonstrate your care for them is you've ask them about their lives and the challenges that they're having and the positives that are going on in their life and the negatives that are going on in their life and, and just the stuff of their lives. How many kids do they have? Where do they go to school? What kind of car do they drive? Stuff about them. And the more stuff that you exchange with people, I mean, let me give you an example. When you meet somebody at a party, let's say, and you introduce yourself, and three days later, you run into that guy, and he says, Hi, David, how are you? And they remember your name. Mm. That's the most important two words in your vocabulary, David Town. And when somebody cares enough about you to remember your name, you make them feel special. 
And then, it, and then if you ask them about how they like their vacation and how their kids are doing, the bond grows and grows and grows because you go out of your way to make it easy for them to connect with you. But the key is being genuine. Because yes. if you're not genuine, then it's like a sales job. You don't do it to get to make yourself feel better. You do it to make the other person feel special. And if you do it, if it's, you're perceived as doing it to sell them something, it'll never work. You mm. have to actually really care. Mm. People wear this sign around their necks, says, I'm important. Make me feel special. And if we would only realize that everybody feels that way. And if you can do a little bit each day to make each person in your life feel special, then you're going to convince them that you care and you're going to have a relationship with them and it will make your job or your life so much more enjoyable. I mean, my life today is is very enjoyable because of it, me doing these things. Mm. So on a personal level, so mm. I, I guess my question is this idea that you're coming alongside you know, businesses, and you're, you're teaching them this idea of remarkability. But within the own family, was it tough since you were kind of a task-driven guy? Looking back at your parenting, did you feel like you made those connections with your kids? No. Or no? No. Still having problems with that. I still don't. Hey, I promote this idea of remarkability because it has worked so well with me. But I'm human, and I... I'm not perfect. I still don't call my kids as often as I do. I still don't tell my wife I love her enough. I haven't demonstrated enough to her or my kids. And it's a, it's a, it's a journey. Mm. And you'll, it's a journey that you'll never be perfect at building relationships. But you got to try. And having this framework of going out of your way and making it easy for people to connect with you and being open and being vulnerable. When you, when you do this, you're vulnerable because you're opening your life up to another person and, and sometimes you tell them your weaknesses and you identify with them because of your weaknesses. That's hard to do and it's a, it's a journey. And I am not perfect and I not, don't expect anybody listening to this to immediately jump on this bandwagon and say, ah, that's the answer to my problems. It isn't. It sure will help you get better towards your problems. And isn't that what we all are trying to do? Just get a little bit better every day. This is an incremental process. And I've been on this for a long, long, long time. And all I can say is that it really works well when, when I try harder to do that. And the more I do it, the better the relationships I have. You know, I'll never forget um, my first superintendent when I was teaching school. Um, this was a district of hundreds of people. Somehow he found out that I liked tennis. And he. this was the first year I was teaching. I received a personal note from him, handwritten, in cursive, along with two tickets to a, a tennis exhibition that was happening in town. And I'll never forget that. Talk about going out of their way. Not only did that make me feel like I was special, and that I was known, but it also created a moment for me that thought, if the superintendent of schools cares that much for me, I bet you he cares that much for kids. Perfect example. And all five elements. He went out of his way for you. He made it easy to connect with you with that handwritten note and the tickets and connected with you 
and, and in a way that you certainly valued and certainly never did expect. And every company that does that succeeds, and every person that does that succeeds amazingly well. Mm-hmm. My my second boss was in Princeton, New Jersey, and uh, I will never forget uh, after a, a project that he gave me that turned out really well, he gave me a book and uh, uh, signed, great job, Bob, boss. And it was Jonathan Livingston Seagull, and I still have the book because it meant so much to me that my boss appreciated something that I did. It was a very small project and gave me a book. Nobody had ever given me a book before in my entire life, and I still have that book, and I treasure it. And so, it's simple little things. Another example. I was uh, head of sales and marketing for IBM in Tucson, Arizona, and I had 100 people working for me. And I had access to their personnel files. So I knew exactly the day they were hired by IBM, 5, 10, 20 years ago. And so I had that on my computer, and I put it in my calendar. And so every day, I would check the calendar and say, I wondered who joined IBM on this day five years ago. And I'd pick up the phone if they were not there, or I'd go by their desk, and I said, hey, today, 10 years ago, you started to work for IBM. What do you remember about that day? And they are flabbergasted because they don't, didn't even remember that was the first day they worked for IBM, but I did because I cared enough to figure that out. It was just a computer program that told me that. But I would go over to them and say, what was it like? And we started a conversation. He said, oh, man, that was in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, I hated my boss, or I loved my boss, or whatever. Started the conversation. That's the dialogue. Wow, wow. So, well, thank you for sharing that. You know what? I want to close this by my last question. That is this. What are you excited about? Tomorrow, who I'm going to meet. When I was doing these walks at Canyon Ranch in the middle of winter, it's dark and cold, and the alarm would ring at 5.30 and get up, and I did not want to get up because I was comfy under my covers, and I was going to go walk at Canyon Ranch with 20 people I never met before. And the way I got motivated was I said before I got up, I wonder who I'm going to meet today. And that was enough spark to get me up and enjoy the day because I had something to look forward to. So, you know, I think the definition of happiness is something to look forward to and somebody to share it with. Mm. And that could be your spouse. It could be the next person that you meet. And you never know what magic will happen when you introduce yourself to somebody you don't know. And it doesn't always happen, but when it does, it sure is magic. Bob Chef, you keep talking to people on elevators, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I so appreciate this because you model this idea of remarkability. And I just am so grateful for you and, um, yeah, your impact on my life. And you and mine. All right. God Thank bless. Thank you, David. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today at another episode of Relate, Refresh, and Restore, a podcast sponsored by Romans 12 Ministries. For more information on Romans 12 Ministries, visit us at romans12ministries.org or give us a call at 520-982-5877. May we all continue to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer.